If you have your Bibles, turn over to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 is where we're going to go today. And um, but Pastor Jason was on vacation the last several weeks, and so as I, we were thinking and praying about what I was going to speak on, I forgot that today's Father's Day. And so, but what's interesting about as, as the Lord worked in my heart this week about what I was going to speak and what the Lord had laid on my heart, um, how this applies to parents and fathers and grandparents and people became very clear to me. Um, so here's some context of what we're going to speak on. Um, we're going to be reading some words of Jesus today that were spoken at the tail end of a very famous sermon that he did. Um, you ever heard of the Sermon on the Mount? Okay. Now what's happening in the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus is addressing specifically the people of Israel. He's sharing um, the gospel, his gospel, uh, uh, which was a different message than what was being shared by the religious people of his day. In fact, what was happening is Jesus sets out these kingdom values, and these kingdom values that he's sharing are in direct opposition to the religious folks of his day. He was saying stuff like, um, if, blessed are you if you are poor in spirit. Now, at the time, people were, were, were reading the Old Testament, and there was a common belief that if you were wealthy and rich, if you were, had all of your health and all of these things, that meant that God was raining his blessing on you. And so the rich were viewed as being more blessed than the poor. And along comes Jesus, and he says, no, blessed are the poor. Um, they would say stuff like, if, if you're healthy, then you, are, you and your family must be living right, and God is shining his blessing on you if, you have, if you're physically healthy. And then he would look at somebody on the side of the road who was struggling with illness, and, and, and people would say, well, that person must have done something wrong, or maybe something in their family, somebody in their family did something wrong, and they weren't living right, so God's blessing was reflective on somebody who had physical health. And here at Harvest Time, we clearly want to let you know something, that um, receiving and having financial wealth and health is not necessarily a sign of God's blessing on your life, and it's definitely not necessarily a sign of you living rightly before God. There are some very ungodly people who are very wealthy. There's also some very ungodly people who have perfect health. And I know a lot of very, very godly people who've been struggling with their health their entire life. And I know a lot of godly people who don't have two pennies to rub together. And the value that Jesus throughout the New Testament seems to share with people is that he, he elevates the poor in spirit. He elevates those who have nothing but who are surrendered to God. He says those are the people who are recipients of God's blessing. That's the direct opposite of what the Old, the Old Testament people, the people who were, who were living underneath the law were, were indicating. And so as, as Jesus is establishing these new values, I want to ask you guys a question, a question that you need to look into your own heart to evaluate. What do you value? What do you value? You see, the that when we begin to ask the question about how is their soul, when we begin to look at people around us in our community, we have a choice of how we're going to view the things that we have been blessed with. As a father, as a mother, as a grandfather, I ask you the question, what kind of values are you passing down to the next generation? You see, we have a lot of things to say with our words. We want people, our kids to, to catch what we're saying, but in reality... 
our kids and the next generation learn more from what we do and what we model than the things that we say. And so as we are living these lives that God has blessed us with, it's important for us to evaluate in our life, what do we value? Jesus, through the Sermon on the Mount and into this passage we're going to read today, he is doing just this. He is is invoking heavenly values that are in direct opposition to the values of this earth and the values that have crept into, at this time, the Jewish religion of this day, but I'm afraid some of the same values that have crept into our church and modern Christianity. You see, we say that we don't believe in a prosperity gospel. At least Harvest Time says that. What does that mean? Well, a prosperity gospel says that if you live right and you do right, God's going to shower you with health, wealth, and wisdom, and everything's going to be okay, which is a lie. It's not in the Bible. It's not there. We say we don't believe that, but and yet when we look at our own paychecks, when we look at what God has blessed us with, when we look at the pursuit of our life, I, personally, like I told you before, I like me, and I love to buy stuff. I'm a shopper. Specifically, I love guitars, and I love fishing poles. I love cars. All of these types of things, like I love those things. And so I'll spend all kinds of time and energy going online and searching through all kinds of stuff in order to get something that I want. I spend energy and time and resources to get stuff that I want. And when I can't afford it, you know what happens in my heart? My wife could tell you what happens in my heart. I get sad or mad. And there even becomes time in my life where I'm like, Lord, you know, I'm serving you. I want to serve you with my life. Why can't you just bless me with a little bit more money so I can get what I want? Why can't you bless me with some more stuff? You know, I'm living for you. If I'm living for you, shouldn't I get more of what I want? And while verbalizing that we don't believe in the prosperity gospel, the the natural application of our beliefs begin to work itself out. In other words, we begin to look at our pocketbook and be like, man, I'm living for God. Shouldn't I have more? That's where this becomes a natural application for us today. You see, we automatically think that if we live right, God's going to keep us healthy and wealthy. That's not necessarily the case. As a father, I have to ask myself this question. What values am I passing on to my kids? As a grandfather, I have to ask the question, what values am I passing on to my grandkids? Matthew 6, Jesus is talking to this crowd, and he's specifically talking to people who have given their lives to Jesus, and by extension, to us. And he gives this challenge, starting at verse number 19, if you'll read with me. It says, do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth or moth." And rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and when thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Two observations from this particular verse. Where moth and rust destroy. In the old, back in those olden days, you had a sign of wealth. Everything that was wealth was tied up in either something that was metal tools, weapons, that kind of thing, or, or, or materials. People made met much money by creating very nice cloth 
And so when you were wealthy, you invested in material. They would make tents out of material. They would make clothing out of material. And they would also have different types of metal that they would work with. So he's saying for people, a sign of external wealth in this world for them was having something that was made out of cloth or material. And Jesus says to them, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on this earth because on this earth, that kind of treasure will end. The things that we obsess about obtaining, bank accounts, retirement accounts, homes, cars, houses, whatever it may be. We, we put all this time and energy into our life to, to obtain stuff, and in the end, it's all going to end up in a landfill. And yet we spend so much of our time, so much of our energy, and we model this for our kids. We, we tell them the most important thing for you to be able to do is to have a job where you can succeed. When we, we begin looking at the type of career we want them to have, oftentimes the number one consideration is, well, how, how much money are you going to make? I, I remember when I surrendered my life to be in ministry, I had a very important person in my life come up to me and say, Aaron, you don't want to be in ministry. I'm like, why? There's no money in it. And listen, is making a living something you should consider? Well, yeah. Yes, you should consider that. But in the end, making a living is only secondary for giving God honor and glory. And how we make a living is not about obtaining stuff. How we make a living is about honoring God and building into his kingdom. You see, the stuff that you gain by making a living is not yours. If you're a follower of Jesus today, there's this verse that says, when you give your life to Christ, you have been bought with a price. You are no longer your own. And if that's the case, you are no longer your own, and everything that you have doesn't belong to you anymore. So we should at least ask God, the God of the universe who provides salvation for us, what do you want me to do with something that belongs to you. And yet we are so convinced that it is ours to do with what we want that sometimes we miss out on the opportunity to build God's kingdom. So what, what, there's four things I want you to write, or actually three things I want you to write down today as observations out of, out of this passage and the rest of the passage we're going to read. Number one, when we begin looking at where our treasure is, what we value, what are the values we're passing on, You have to remember this. Your heart will always follow what you value. Your heart will always follow what you value. When we read that verse, back in verse 19, and it says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, neither thieves do not break in and steal. 21 For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. A lot of times I've heard messages on this where where the idea is you need to figure out how to change where your heart is. In other words, we take this, this emphasis on ourselves. We look at where our heart is, and I have to work really hard to change the location of my heart, the focus of my life. But that's not the point of this verse. The point of this verse is diagnostic. What that means is, is when you look at what matters to you the most, the things that you pour your time, energy, and resources into, the things you talk about, the things that are most important to you, we then understand that wherever, whatever that is is where our heart is. 
It's not so you can change your heart. It's because what you are focusing on, what is important to you automatically, that is where your heart is. That is where your focus lies. It's the things that automatically come out of our conversations. It's the things that we automatically want to put effort and time and energy into because that is how we live our life. We're talking about the center of our being focuses on the thing that is the most important to us. The Lord begins with what we would call treasure logic. Jesus wants to evaluate and and reason through the things that we value most. So how do we do that? Well, we ask ourselves, what do we think about most of the time? I say this often. I said this last week. For many of us, we watch the news. And so some of us watch the news all day. If that's the case, well, you just answer the question, what you value. Some of us spend our time um, shopping. If that's the case, then when that is our focus, we are revealing where our heart is, what treasure we have. Some of us are so focused on work and our career and building this kingdom that's ahead of us, whatever it may be, But we have to understand that those are the things that are valuable to us when we spend all of our time, energy, and resources. Your heart will always follow the things that you value most. And in thinking about that, we have to realize two things. Earthly treasure, the things of this earth never last. I can't tell you how many times I have obsessed about buying something. I get it. I play with it. And within a year, it's in a closet collecting dust. Um, I can't tell you how many times that we have heard that if a certain person gets elected, that's the end of the universe, or at least our nation, right? And then four years later, we hear the same message. We focus on what is most important to us and the things of this earth, the kingdoms of this earth, the possessions of this earth, the currency of this earth, The power of this earth, all of it will pass away. All of it. Now, don't get me wrong. Do we have a responsibility to take care and to work hard? Those are all things that are in the word of God. Let me speak to fathers for a second. Your job is to provide for your family and for your children. That is in the word of God. That is something that has been laid on us as men. But that is not where our job ends. I can't tell you how many times I've sat down and talked to men who are like, I'm a good father because I work all these hours and I provide financially for my children. Well, that's a good starting point. But that's not the end of our responsibility. Are we doing what God has called us to do as fathers? We are called to lead our kids, to encourage them to seek after the Lord. A heavenly treasure, while an earthly treasure will pass away, a heavenly treasure always lasts. You see, you cannot take your bank account, your retirement account, your cars and your houses to heaven. But you know what you can take if you, if you lead your kids to the Lord? You can take your kids You can take your friends, your family. Now, again, it's their choice. They have to make the decision whether to surrender to the Lord or not. But in the end, how we 
present the values of the kingdom to our kids matter. And what's interesting is that for many of us, we, 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 we have this exterior appearance of what godliness is, and yet do we truly, truly show what our values are? So number one, your heart will always follow what you value. So the honest question is, what do you value? What is your, I'm not saying what you say you value. I'm asking you to honestly look and what does your checkbook, your life, your decisions actually show that you value? Number two, your eyes are always focused on what you value. Your heart always follows what you value, but what's interesting is that your time and attention always gets pushed to what you actually value. Starting in verse 22, read with me again. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light, but if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the, light's in your, in, the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? That little passage there is one of the most misunderstood and hard to understand verses in the Bible, and it's because he's using metaphor, but the metaphor he's using is not something that we are familiar with. A lot of our interpretations say something about the light shining light into our heart and revealing what's actually there, but what was happening at the time is that the Jewish rabbis of the day would would use kind of a saying in order to get across a point. Back then, the Jewish rabbi would say that if you have a healthy eye, you are a generous person. If you, are, if you have a healthy eye, you are somebody who's constantly taking what you have been blessed with and you are looking out how to serve God and others with it. In other words, you are looking out of your, of your body and you have these glasses on that's constantly looking how to bless the kingdom of God and to bless other people. If you have that type of eye, your eye is good. And then he would go on to say that if your eye is dark, they would use a term called the evil eye. You ever heard that terminology thrown around? Okay. In this, in this setting, what they would say is that if you are a selfish, self-centered person who never wants to share and who believes everything that they have is for them and for their purposes and their consumption, they had an evil eye. And he is saying, basically, in that passage, with that context, go back and read it again. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, if you have a healthy eye, your whole body will be filled with light. In other words, if you're generous, if you're looking at the world as an opportunity to meet the needs of God's kingdom and others, then your entire spiritual world is healthy. However, he says the opposite is true too, that if you are stingy, greedy, and selfish with what you have been blessed with, that your entire spiritual life is messed up. It's messed up. If you believe that what God has showered on you is just for you and your consumption, that is a sign of, a, of spiritual unhealth. And for a culture like ours that is so much about consumption, I work hard so that I can have stuff for me my kids, my family. The idea of, of taking something that has been given to me, it's mine. Why should I share it with anybody else? And God is saying in this passage, don't, if you do that, you're laying up treasures on earth. Don't do that. Don't lay up treasures on earth. 
Because when you do that, you are, you are examining and you are making an example of bad values that are being spread to your kids. And we end up with materialistic people who elevate stuff above things that are actually important. So that, well, that first question is what you value. The second question is this. Do you have a good eye or an evil eye? Are you constantly looking how to bless others? Do you recognize the fact that if you're a follower of Jesus today, your money is not yours? And this is actually reflective of the idea of giving tithes and offerings to the church. Often, we have a, we have a hard time talking about tithes and offerings. Do you know why we have a hard time talking about it? Because we believe that the money's ours. Boy, it gets quiet in here when you talk about money. You know that? Let me say something to all of you, and this is a flat-out truth. God does not need your money. God doesn't need it. The, the reality is, is that if you're a follower of Jesus, he's already got it. And if he wants it, he'll take it. And there's not a thing you can do to stop him. So what is the point of giving, you may ask? What is the point of being generous to a church? Not just Harvest Land, but God's work throughout the world. What, what is the point where God inspires us to, sh- to support missionaries throughout the world? Well, first off, is he's inviting us to participate in the privilege of expanding the kingdom of God. But also it's this. When we give of our first fruits, which is a biblical principle, all the way from the Old and the New Testament, not just of our money, but of our time, our energy, and resources. What that is, is us participating in an act of worship and recognizing and and saying to God, I know this is yours, and I'm just going to give the first portion of it back to you. It is an exercise of discipline where we begin to think differently about money. From the time that we are little, we think, mine, 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 mine. And for some of us, we never get over it. We live our life as if everything that we have is for us and our consumption. And yet God in his word is saying to us, listen, it's not yours. I have given you this blessing, but not just for you. It's so that you have the ability to bless others and to build the kingdom of God. Do you have a good eye or a bad eye? Are you looking for a reason to bless others, to build the kingdom of God? Or are you looking for a reason to just consume what you have? And this spills over into our parenting. We, we model this when we say stuff like, well, I can't honestly give any money to God because I have this bill and this bill and this bill. And the reality is this. Listen, if we don't give the first fruits back to God, and I'm not, again, not talking about harvest time here. I'm talking about as a whole. If we don't give the first fruits back to God, what we are saying to our kids is that it's mine. And it's for me. If I don't look for ways to help other people around me with the money and the resources I've been given, whether it's a lot or a little, then I'm passing on to my kids, well, this is mine. And it's for me. And we end up passing on the value system that is consumption-minded and selfish. What are we passing on? What values are we passing on to our kids? Number one, again, your heart will always follow what you value 
Number two, your eyes are always focused on what you value. And number three, you worship what you value. You worship what you value. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Did you hear that last verse? You cannot serve God and money. Let me clarify something. Money is not evil. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that money is evil. doesn't say it. What it says is that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. There are people that have been blessed with resources in their life by God, the ability to make money, the ability to accumulate money. They have been given, you guys know these people, there are some people who can buy something and sell it a week later and make a profit. That's not me, by the way. Not at all. I had a grandpa that used to be able to do that. Grandpa Cloyd would make a profit out about everything. But the amazing thing is, is that we have to recognize that when God has given us the ability to make a profit, he doesn't make that profit just so you can have more to spend for yourself. The wealth that we have been blessed with, which, by the way, every one of us in this room is in the top 5% of wealthiest people in the world. We have been gifted with the resources that we have been gifted with for a purpose. If you love money, you don't love God. That's what it says. You, you cannot love God and money at the same time. So when we are in the process of living our life, if we are making choices because we love money and getting more and, be, and they're all selfish choices, we should not also claim to love God at the same time because they are mutually exclusive. When I am actively pursuing the love of money, I am actively pursuing not loving God. Now that should convict all of us. In other words, when, when money becomes the highest priority, when, when gaining resources, when laying up treasure on this earth becomes our highest priority, the reality is, is that we are no longer laying up treasures in heaven. Now in our culture, we are, like I said, we, we have elevated this idea of provision and making money to this high ethic. And again, we are called to work. We are called. We need people who are wealthy, guys. The kingdom of God throughout the years of, of, of existing in this world has depended on those with resources to be able to expand his purposes. I remember hearing the story about J.C. Penney. You guys remember J.C. Penney? Used to be a really big retail store. Um, and I used to get a lot of clothes from there here in Sterling not too long ago. They don't really exist anymore. But the guy, J.C. Penney, has been around for a long time. And when he first began his business, he told God that he was going to exist on 10% of his income and give 90% away. And he got really rich. Well, what happened when he got really rich is his priorities began, began to change. And he began to give less and less to the Lord and more and more to himself. And the business began to lose money he recognized that God was asking him to go back to that previous demographic and, it, and God worked in his life in that way. It's not wrong or sinful to be wealthy. It is wrong and sinful to be wealthy and hoard it for yourself. It just is. 
So the question we ask is, what value about money? What value about resources, our time and our energy, are we passing on to our children? The word of God tells us to work hard and earn, to take care of our families, to do what God has called us to do and understand that if we have been blessed with financial blessings, that blessing is yes for, our, for us, but also, and more importantly, for the kingdom of God and for people that need it in this world around us. And the reality is, is that every one of us have something that somebody else needs, time, energy, or resources. Either your earthly treasure controls you or God controls you. You are never in charge. And we have to realize that we cannot ever serve and be devoted to both. They are mutually exclusive from one another. So again, I ask you, what values are you passing on to your kids and grandkids as it pertains to resources in your life? What is the most important thing to you? What is it? Is it having a savings account? Is it having nice things, cars, clothes, whatever it may be? Or is the priority of your life the kingdom of God and people? The only thing that you will have in heaven, the only thing that you will have in heaven that, affects, that is affected by what you do here on earth is the treasures you lay up in heaven by building into the kingdom now. The people that you share the gospel with, that give their life to Christ, they will be in heaven. The, the, the things that you have surrendered to God for the benefit of his kingdom, those types of things will be in heaven. The crowns you earn by living a life glorifying to God, those things will be in heaven. But all of these things that take up so much of our time and our energy and our focus away from the kingdom of God, all of those things will be gone. My nice guitars, as much as I love them, will not be there. won't be there. So how do we live in the here and now? Man, I'm not telling you to quit your good paying job, and I'm not telling you to not work. What I'm saying is that we need to look at every opportunity as an opportunity to share the love of Jesus in a world that's lost and dying, that needs him. So whatever job you have, you're there for a purpose, and it's to build the kingdom of God, representing him well now. No matter what that job is, you are a missionary for the kingdom of God now where you are. And it's not just about your living. It's about listening to the voice of Jesus and taking the values that, has, that he has blessed us with and living them out in our life. So what do you value? It's not up to me to tell you what you value. Your life already shows what you value. Ask yourself before the Lord and ask the Lord to convict you, where, what do I value and how should I change it for the kingdom of the Lord? Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, I'm thankful for your people. I'm thankful for the truth. I'm thankful for every blessing that you have poured on us. So much of what we have, everything that we have, Lord, is a, is, is a direct result of your blessing on us, Lord Jesus. And I pray that we will examine our hearts and recognize that there are things that we need you to change in our hearts. Help us to see where our heart is. But Lord Jesus, I pray that we would surrender all of this, our money, our resources, our time, and our energy to you. 
so that we can have a right relationship with you, so that we can love you, but also, Lord, so we know what values we are passing on to our kids. Lord Jesus, help us to be honest with ourselves. Now I pray as we open up these altars that if there's somebody here who doesn't know you, that they will get to know you. And that there are others who are here who, who need to surrender themselves to you, to surrender their money, their time, and their energy, and their resources. I pray they'll take this opportunity to do that. We love you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.